Hello and welcome. Today's guest is Karen Pyros. Karen has nothing short of a remarkable story in in about uh, her life and what she's accomplished, what she had to go through to get there, and especially where she is today. Now, I just want to open this up by saying Karen had the life, um, the life that many of us uh, on the outside would, would envy. She had travel, parties, friends. She had it all. And then uh, that changed in December 2011. And Karen, welcome. Thank you for having me. You are... Uh, you're quite special to be here, and thank you for coming here and sharing your story. So talk a little bit about life before December 2011. Life was travel, exotic places, four times, five times a year, parties every other weekend at my home, tons of friends. Um, not a care in the world, right? Not a care in the world. Frivolous, totally frivolous and meaningless you have children. You were I married. I have children. I was married uh, 20 years in 2011. Um, three children. At that time, they were ages 15, 17, and 19. My oldest one just left for college, and that was a lot to get used to, to have her gone. The light was out in our house, I kept saying. And yeah, a little while after that, we didn't lose a light. We lost total power. Okay, so you you had a life um, that was comfortable, for lack of a better term. You had a very comfortable life. Very comfortable. So tell us what happened. Well, on the morning of December 3rd, 2011, we were at my youngest daughter's basketball tournament, and we had a call from the local police station that my son Damon had been in a car accident, and he was unconscious at Geisinger Hospital. And without a word, we both of us, my husband and I, flew separate vehicles to the hospital. And they say it's the worst call a parent could have. I don't even remember what I felt. I remember just screaming in the car on the way down, don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. I cannot handle this. And we got to the hospital. You were talking to Damon. I was talking to Damon. I was talking to the universe, God, anybody that I felt would listen at that point. And when I got to the hospital, I was met by, by... a chaplain, which, you know, at that point, I didn't even understand that you shouldn't really be met by a chaplain. They all thought Damon was going to die. And we were ushered in to speak to two neurosurgeons who happened to be on call and were at the hospital. And, you know, they sat me down in a room and said, your son will most probably not make it off the operating room table, but we need to operate immediately. It was an automobile accident. Yes, an automobile accident, and he had a head injury. So I begged for them to just let me see him. And they said, no, there's no time. And I said, you've got to let me see him. And I went in. They gave me two minutes, went in, and Damon's there sleeping as though there's nothing wrong with him, but he's sleeping. There was not a mark on his body, and he was out, and I just held his hand for one second and I whispered Damon live you have to live and that was it I let him go with total strangers who I depended on to save his life so he went into surgery four or five hours the waiting room was filled with his friends our friends Um, I was basically in a fetal position on the floor wrapped in blankets you know I wasn't strong enough I didn't think I was strong enough to handle any of this um And finally, when the neurosurgeon came out, he took us in the back room. He said, Damon's alive. Um, His pupils were able to 
retract. They were fully dilated before they took him in, which meant when they retracted, there was some brain activity. Okay. Uh, he didn't know if he'd survive the night. He didn't know if he'd survive. He didn't know if he would make it or if he did what we would have. But he said he's 17 years old. And this doctor went against all advice of the hospital to operate because he said he deserves a chance. And, you know, we followed Damon back to the ICU and just waited. So there's a protocol when they're doing this type of surgery? The doctors that followed this original surgeon, um, because he was called out of town the next day for a family emergency, and the other neurosurgeons that were on call that would come and check up on Damon, you know, they, they were basically had no hope whatsoever. And Dismissive? One of them actually said to me, we're not in the operation, we're not in the um, business to operate to create vegetables. So, yeah. Say or that to a mom. To say that to mom yeah. on day two or yeah. day three. And, you know, they, they said that there, basically, there was nothing. Without doing any MRIs, without doing any, without waiting, without anything, they made their prognosis, they put in his charts, Damon is unresponsive. Um, and honestly, I found out later that nobody in that ICU even expected him to live past that first night. Well, you were in shock, obviously. I was in shock. I, I, I spent my time holding his head and whispering in his ear, you know, Damon, you're in a car accident. Damon, you hit your head. You're in a hospital. You're going to be fine. You know, I just kept over and over and over. I, I, I know there were millions of people that came in and out to visit. I, I can't remember who they were. Um, we would watch the teams of doctors come in and do these tests on him that were We called them torture tests where they would stick things under his nails and pinch him and anything to get a response. And there'd be limited to no response. So they kept saying there's there's nothing. And I didn't know anything. My my knowledge was kiss the boo-boo and make it better. That's the extent of my medical knowledge. So when, you know, they would say brain damage or, or axle tears or shearing. I had no clue, no idea what they were talking about, which in the long run was what saved Damon was my lack of knowledge. Because, because you I be- had determination. Because I believed in Damon. Yeah. And yeah. one day, um, and this was my turning point in the beginning, when one of the neurosurgeons talked to me and said something about, you know, we don't have to do an MRI. We'll look at him. We could tell how bad he is. Um you know, I, I, I got scared. I went down on my knees after he left, and I looked at my husband and my daughter and said to them, what do we do? What do we do? And my husband said, we pray more. And I just said, we, I don't even know how to pray. And I got up, I went into Damon, and I went into his ear, and I was stern and angry. And I said, Damon, you need to fight. You need to fight. You need to live. You need to come out of this. You have to do this for me. And all of the bells and whistles on all of the monitors went off. His respiratory rate increased, oh his Lord. heart rate increased, the pressure inside his brain increased, and the nurses all came in and they all started yelling at me. That wait, wait, why were they yelling? They were yelling at me because I was overstimulating him. That you know, I needed to not talk to him. I needed to step away. I I was doing the wrong thing. And I, you know, I, I at that point I thought I killed him. I thought like, oh my god, I uh, me talking to him killed him. And I stepped back and. And then I realized what happened, that it wasn't 
that I almost killed him. He responded he to responded me. He responded to you. He responded to me. Here's this boy who is responding to nothing, responded to me and what I was saying. And I, I actually went over to one of the nurses and I said, how do you tell me that he's not responding when he, clearly he responded to me? And and that was my turning point. That was the day that I realized that, you know what, I have power. I have power in me as his mother. I know that boy better than any one of those doctors in their tests and their charts that they're writing. I know him and I know that he's going to get better. How long was Damon um, in the hospital? He was in the ICU at Geisinger for five weeks, okay. developed a horrible pressure ulcer on his tailbone. At the end of five weeks, we saw one thumbs up that he gave the original neurosurgeon when he came back, very shaky. And at that point, they told us the next step was rehab, a rehab hospital. And Where was that at? That was in Philly. Okay. We didn't know anything. There's no consumer reports that says best rehab hospital. And we, we made a huge mistake. We took him to the wrong place. Probably at the wrong time. He wasn't ready. He was basically out and still not responsive. But we took him based on everybody else's recommendation. And he got worse and worse there. He lost weight. He was down to 115 pounds. He's six foot tall. You know, and I would say to them, he's, he's shrinking in front of me. And they'd look at me and say you have enough to worry about. Don't worry about his calories. And then we found out later that the feeding machine was miscalibrated and he wasn't getting anywhere near the calories he needed to feed the wound in his tailbone, to feed his brain. Um, so he was losing weight. You were his mother and you had to be his advocate. There's no choice because nobody else is. And we made sure that there was a family member with him 24 hours a day, every single day. First at the ICU. And then the five weeks we were in the first rehab in Philly, we slept in his room. We were, went to every therapy. We, you know, we, I would do two nights. Um, Damon's father would do a night. My oldest daughter would do a night. I would come back and do two nights and it was just ongoing and it was just what we did. And I, I look back and I'm not sure how we did it, but we, we all did it. And, you know, things fell apart around us. Um, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter was 15 and just starting high school and she basically lost both parents and a brother and a sister. She had nobody. She was raising herself at home. My oldest daughter took the role of mom and she mommed me as well as my younger daughter. Um, it, it was as though we were, we weren't making any gains and Damon certainly wasn't making any gains at this rehab. They were, they just couldn't get through to him. And, you know, we, we started doing our own therapy with him. I had posters up for him. I had, I remember a Family Guy poster and a Call of Duty poster. And one day I just happened to look at him and he had no movement whatsoever except for his eyes. And I said, Damon, where's your Family Guy poster? And his eyes went right to it. And I kind of froze. And I said, where's your Call of Duty poster? And his eyes went that way. And I'm screaming for a nurse, for somebody, there's nobody there to say, look, there's something in there. This was the rehab in Philadelphia. In Philly. And the okay. next day I told them, I said, look, he can he can look at things. And, you know, where's the clock? Where's the window? And he was able to look at them. And, and they were just not impressed and said, you know, well, it might be a learned response. And I said to them, well, a learned response. <laughs> Isn't that a response? It's a response. It's something. Yeah. But they and another time all his friends came to visit and there were five of them around him and you know when after I was told he'd have no memory and he'd you know remember nothing of his past life um I would say to him Damon where's Kyle you know where's Danny and his eyes went right to those people 
immediately. So I knew he had a memory. I knew he was in there, locked inside his body, in his mind, but his mind was there. How did you get through that part? When Damon's in rehab in Philadelphia, I mean, at this point, you're, we're several weeks out now. Right. We're, we're you're, you're running on empty. You can't totally keep going empty. fifth gear Mm-mm. nonstop. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I got through it. I, I look back and I think, I, you know, I had no sleep. I had really no meals. I was eating hospital food, and I was with him at every point. I would never leave him alone. I just could not leave him alone. I was scared to leave him alone. But I was getting stronger emotionally, even though I was weakened physically. And I think just because I saw things, I would see things all the time. I, I you know, one day at night, I had a little ball on his chest, and and his arm was flat. And I said, Damon, reach the ball, and he his arm moved his right arm and he reached up and you know I videotaped it so these doctors could see it but they would say they didn't care they said you know it's not functional he can't feed himself or he can't so literally what happened at that first rehab they told me we'd never get medical assistance for him or any help because he was too hopeless to help at that point um we needed to take him home we were wasting their time our money by by keeping him in that rehab and and they wanted us to go home and spend like 6 months or so in a nursery in a nursing home or a you know or somehow have him at home I could do it I could not bring him home I refused because to me that was giving up on mm-hmm. him so instead we decided on taking him to another rehab hospital and this time in Hershey okay and um Hershey part of Hershey Medical Center and that was the best choice we ever made. How we, so? Well, we took him there, and they believed, um, the doctor believed in him. She said, I think he's in there. That's their big thing there, in there. Um, there was a, it was called the school therapist, who worked more with just everyday mind-type things, and he said, I could tell by his eyes. I could tell by his eyes he's there. Speech therapist, on the beginning, wanted to um, start him on, oral food she said I think he can eat and I'm looking at her like what are you out of your mind you're telling me <laughs> uh, you know everyone else is telling me that there's the experts there's down nothing. in Philadelphia yeah there's saying... nothing there and you want him to eat and honestly um we went through a couple of back steps because he had an infection and he had to go back to the medical center and he had to have like 10 surgeries for they, there was a shunt that they put in for excess fluid in his brain. They put it in Philly, and we took it out in Hershey. The pressure ulcer needed surgery, and the shunt, which became infected and drained into his abdomen, infected everything into his abdomen. So he had to have a washout for his abdomen. So he went in for all these surgeries. He was in the hospital for about 12 days. And again, we didn't leave his side. We just did not leave his side. And went back to Hershey Rehab, and then he started finally. It was about four months after his accident that he finally started to be able to do some rehab work. And there was progress. There was, you know, a little bit with with his arm. Um, His right arm was the first thing that started. His finger was the first thing. He gave a thumbs up to answer questions. When he was able to move his index finger, they were able to put a... um, 
a laser pointer. You know, where you play with your yes, cats with the sure. laser pointer. They put one on his finger, and and he was able to move that finger just slightly, but the laser pointer would move, and he could pick out what he wanted, you know, to try on his plate. He wanted he would be able to answer questions. And the funny story is, the one night he and I were alone, and we were playing on his iPad, and I said to him, "Damon, what game do you want to play?" And with that laser pointer, he he pointed to words with friends. Words like with friends. Yeah, remember sure. that? And, yes. and I'm thinking, okay, so my brain injured son who can't speak or move is going to play words with friends. But okay, let's do it. And you know what? That we got our seven letters or or whatever. I think it's seven letters. And and he started pointing at them, and he made a word, and he made the yes. word ice. And then I'm like, Damon, there's another word. You know, you could add something, and he pointed to the end, and he, he made his word nice. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he can read. He can see. And the next day, the um, school therapist came in, and I'm nervous now to tell people what I see because, you know, I was written off so well, many sure. times. Right. So I and said, they were wrong. Right. And I, I said to him, I think he can read. And he's like, okay, let's test it. And he made a poster that said um, Dallas School District's mascot is, and he listed four mascots. And before Dame, Damon even got, you know, before we were even set up, his pointer finger went right to the word Mountaineers. And then from that point on, they did standardized testing on him with that laser pointer and with um, a computer screen. And he was tested that his English and his math scores were 11th grade, right where he let off. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. I got to ask you, though, how are you holding up at this time? And how was your life? I mean, you can't go through this without having changes in your life. You can't go through this, this experience without, you know... Uh, you're in overdrive. You're you're burned out. You're fried, basically. Fried. Um, what was going on at home? Um, yeah, it was tough at home. We were trying to. My ex husband was trying to run his business. I was trying to run a household from Hershey. Mm-hmm. You know, I get calls from my little or daughter. I, I need a dress for the prom. <laughs> I need this. Yeah. What do I, you know, I need help with this. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do both. I, I had to choose and I had to choose Damon because he was the one that needed most help. Um, I was totally exhausted. It, it, it was, if it wasn't for the nurses in Hershey who took care of me while I took care of Damon, I, I don't know that I could have survived that. I had a lot of support, community support. I was updating Facebook every night. So I had everybody, you know, sending virtual love and virtual prayers and whatever, you know, they could do for me. But you're on an island and you're you're alone. And, you know, it took everything I had to just keep waking up every day and, and facing the day. And the funny thing is, like, I remembered this, um, that summer before Damon's accident, when we were driving to Myrtle Beach, I don't know what we were talking about or why the subject came up, but something about if something happened to one of my kids and my older daughter had said at that point, oh my gosh, if something ever happened to us, mom would fall apart. (laughs) So that was like always in the back of my mind. Like, I'm not going to fall apart. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and I'm going to fight. You kept digging deep. But I had a fight. Like even even in Hershey, where they were on my side, I had a fight for for better therapy. I had a fight um, for better food. I had a fight that I, you know, who I wanted, what they should do. And they listened there, but it was a constant, constant battle. How long was, was Damon at? Hershey. I believed a total of 12 weeks at Hershey. We came home in, in May. Finally. I didn't want to, 
I wanted to stay there in my safety net. But we brought him home in May. We set up the great room so his bed was there. And we had caregivers that were scheduled. They didn't come for the first week, so we had to do the overnight. So he still needed 24-7 he care. still to this day needs 24-7 okay. care. But at that point, yeah, he had a feeding tube. Even though he was eating pureed foods, um, he had a feeding tube. He had medication that had to be given. He had the wound that had to be taken care of. Uh, he had to be turned, repositioned every two hours. So somebody had to be awake all night long with him. So in the beginning, we didn't have anybody to do that, so we took turns. But finally, we did get some help. And, you know, that's just another nightmare is going through agencies to find caregiving because... Qualified caregivers. Qualified caregivers. At that point, he needed RNs. So that was okay. We did get people. But after that point, when his medical um, needs went down and it was just his daily living needs were there... um, to get AIDS in, it was an absolute nightmare. A nightmare. We had people that were, I mean, these are people, they're, they're awake in your home when you're sleeping. Yeah. And they're alone taking care of your son. So, right. you know, I had to get cameras installed because I <laughs> trust a soul. And, you know, I found, I found overnight AIDS sleeping on my couch. I found them um, taking things. I found them not doing their job. It's scary. It's really scary because... I turned into a control freak with Damon's care and, you know, nobody was good enough. Nobody, nobody. Well, your whole, but you know, Damon is vulnerable. You're vulnerable. The household is vulnerable and you are having virtual strangers come into your home. Right. And run your home while you're sleeping when you should be getting rest. Rich, I get never your strength got back, right, right. But you never right. really got that right. rest. I never did get that rest. But Damon progressed. We, we, um, that first summer we took him to, John Hines rehab five days a week, which I had to fight for because nobody wants insurance does not want to give you five days a week of rehab. And I fought for it and we got five days a week. Um, So it was getting him into the John Hines van at 8 a.m. and coming back sometime afternoon. Um, You know, his schedule was wake up. The overnight person would go. I had no day caregiver at that point. So get Damon up, get him showered, get him dressed make his food, puree his food, feed him his food. He couldn't do anything. He had no movement in the very beginning. Um, and that lasted for the summer. And then he started getting a voice, and he started to talk, and he started being able to use his right arm. Um, he got to the point where he could feed himself, and he could write. And he, I think in the fall, we had started an in-home tutor to come to do math at home. And then the next January, a year and a month after his accident, he went back to Dallas because we wanted him to graduate with his class. And he took a chemistry class that my younger daughter was in at the same time. And his tests were abridged and different, but he he got an A in chemistry. He got an A in the math class he was doing. He, he went did. to his prom. He graduated. He got up on stage. And, you know, right after the principal said, please hold your applause to the end, the air horns were blowing. Damon took a step. Like, I, it was it was pretty awesome. Then he went to do college classes. He did a math class a semester at Penn State at Misericordia. Um, he, he's just totally gone above and beyond where anybody ever thought he'd be. Today he rides horses. Um, he goes to training a few times a week. We do no physical therapy or any, we do speech therapy, but um, the rest of it 
we kind of are totally outside the box now with him. But now during that whole time of after Damon graduated, my husband and I separated. So now I was taking care of Damon all by myself at home, which meant everything, transferring him. He's I'm 5'2", he's over six feet tall. He had no real core strength. Um, getting him out the door, getting him ready, it, it was that was difficult, a very difficult time, you know, and then I'm going through a nasty divorce in the next two years. And so mentally I'm drained with that. I'm taking care of Damon still. I'm fighting. I, I, you know, I had to fight, go to court for a wheelchair for him because the insurance company didn't feel he deserved to have a standing wheelchair. Why? Because it's not a medical necessity. To stand? To stand. Yes. We did win. Good. Good. Damon testified. We won. Damon testified. Damon testified. What did yeah. he say? He said, um, I want a standing wheelchair so I could be like everybody else. And it's easier to use the urinal that way. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Damon. We love him. <laughs> so that was that year. Yeah. Going through all that. What's and, going on with your daughters at this time? Um, one is back from school. So she one left school. quit. Her school. She was in Ohio okay. at the time of Damon's accident. She could. She couldn't stay there. She needed to be obviously, home. of course. So she, thank God, came home and and you know took care of all of us mentally. Um, my other daughter pulled away for a while. You know, it, it, she lost her mom. She really and that that haunts me. Even though today we are best of friends, it it haunts me that she went through those years without me. Um. But we all hung on each other. You know, we, we really did, the four of us, even Damon. Damon was our strength. You know, I look back and think, how do we do it? We did it because of him, because he never stopped smiling. He never gave up. He, he never got frustrated. And he just had a special something when you were by him that you felt better. Even though every day was Groundhog Day, every day I'd come down the steps to the same thing and had to do it all over again. You know, I'd see his face and I'd be like, I can do this. This I can get through this. So what's a typical day like for Karen and Damon now? Today? Yeah. Oh, today, today we're in a whole different place. Um, I did have to go through, though, before today, my dad died, like right after my my divorce was going through. My father yeah. passed away, who was my security blanket my my everything um I couldn't grieve for him because I had no time no my mother moved into my house right after that so I had my 88 year old mom to take care of along with my son and we were going back at this point to Hershey four days a week just me and Damon so I had to have caregivers in line not only for Damon but for my mother as well wait so you're going through a divorce your father dies your mother moves in you're caring for Damon and my mother and your mother (laughs) yes and you kept going. I kept going because I didn't. I I didn't know how to stop. At this point, I I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And you know, eventually, my mom moved out, and she needed a nursing home. Um, she died the next year. So, and then my my adopted grandfather died two months after my mother. It it, it was it was a nightmare to go through. And again, every day I just woke up and walked through and took a step. And I think it was like I was a zombie. I I don't know. Maybe I was still in shock at that point, Mm -hmm. but I just lived each day just to get through it and to take care of Damon. It was one punch after another punch after another and another and another. And you kept getting up. And I think that's the secret. 
I kept getting up. I yeah. had to get up for my son, so I kept getting up. And so today, 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 today we what's have our Damon doing? The best caregivers possible. I have them handpicked. Um, so I'm totally covered overnight with people I love and trust. My day caregivers I love and trust. Um, my one who's with him for the majority of the day is able to drive the van, able to take him to his trainings by himself. When I when I decide not to go, I still have trouble pulling back, but I have tried my best now to decide that, you know, I I have to live too. If I I can't just keep pretending that everything is great. I can't keep pretending like life is just putting one foot in front of the other and getting through it. So I am trying, and it's hard. I'm not going to say it's not. It's hard to pull back, but I, I am really trying to do that um, and just have my own life, my own personal life, as well as my family life. Because you are rebuilding your personal life. I it's am. It's time to rebuild your personal life. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to do either. It hasn't been. Um, but I am doing that, and I'm in a really good spot today. Excellent. And we do have to touch on your blog, which is going to be a book, because it has to be. So tell us a little bit about your blog. Well, I've been writing from day one. And the first two or three years, I don't think I missed a night. But I did that on Facebook, you know, just Damon's updates and where he is. And and, and it was all positive. Like, I never wrote, this is a horrible thing. I, I never really was a hundred percent truthful as to what was going on in my head. It was all Damon is going to be this, or he's going to be doing that, or you know, today he did this and yay. And um, because I always I felt at that point that if I wasn't positive, who wants to read the negative? And if sure. I don't have people reading and thinking and sending all these positive thoughts, you needed or the prayers, vibes. And, yeah, yeah I so that. I did that. But um, my blog is more honest, and I don't write that much in it because I'm very critical of my own writing so I only put in what I really like um but there's like an anniversary writing every year about where he is and and where I am and you know I decided about a year and a half ago is when I decided to reinvent me and and look at myself and see where I am now compared to where I was back then when I had the life and the parties and the plasticness and mm -hmm. things that I, I, I'm glad I'm not her anymore. I, I think I've come through the same kind of tunnel Damon's come through and, you know, in a totally different way, but I'm a much different person today. And you're in a really good place. Aren't I am you? in a really good place right now. Good. Really we are good going place. to have a link um, to your blog on Chanel and com. And, and hopefully you'll also share some photos of you and Damon and you and, you know, whatever you would like to add, because uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of interest in your story and people want to learn more about you. And Karen, I want to thank you because you are incredibly, uh, you're just remarkable. And, and, and as with everyone who we're talking with in this series, you know, you're in the trenches, you know, you get it done because you're in the trenches and uh, you just keep getting up and that's how it goes. That's how we get it done. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Suzanne.